as I said, we're talking about encountering Jesus in his spirit. And a question I always like to ask people, because I find that it's um, shocking sometimes to people, is what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? He is a part of the Godhead. He is God. He is um, exactly the same in nature. He is God. You know, he's there. Everything about him is just like Jesus, just like the Father. But I think because there's so much false doctrine out there and so much crazy uh, manifestations that people say are moves of the Spirit, we get kind of intimidated or scared to embrace the Holy Spirit because there's so much craziness out there. And I just want to say to you, that is the tactic of the enemy. Jesus himself said that the Holy Spirit was going to be sent to comfort us, to teach us. He said he's not going to talk about himself. His role is going to be to speak to you all the things that I've said and remind them to you. He's our teacher. Another word that's used to describe him in the scripture is the teacher. And so we need this relationship with our Holy, with the Holy Spirit. We need to know God's word better. We need to have the word quickened, like I said, that rehema, that sword of the spirit in the moment. We need it as we're sharing with people. We need an understanding of who God is as we're trying to serve him. So this relationship with the Holy Spirit is vital. Literally, I'm telling you, vital to our, our walk with God. Not because we can't keep walking with God if we don't know the Holy Spirit better. That's not what I mean, but because we're missing what God intended for us if we don't have it. We're missing what God intended. It's like we're saying to God as he sends us away to know him better and draw closer to him. It's like we're saying, I, that's too much for me, God. I'm scared of that. None of us would say we're afraid of Jesus in the sense of worried that getting to know him better is going to make us crazy or we know it's going to make us bold, but we don't feel like getting to know him better is going to make us strange, right? But sometimes because the, mis the Holy Spirit has been so misrepresented, we feel like that, right? We feel like, well, I don't want to be one of those people that barks like a dog. <laughs> well, if God doesn't bark like a dog, the Holy Spirit doesn't bark like a dog. I'm sorry. He doesn't. I feel very confident saying that. If God doesn't do it, then the Holy Spirit doesn't do it because he is God. If Jesus doesn't do it, the Holy Spirit doesn't do it. So reject all the nonsense. Don't let the blindfolds keep you in the place of fear and, 
and, and be held back from what God has for you, just say to God, I want you because that's what he wants to give you. Amen. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the, the God when Jesus came, came himself. We just looked at that scripture, right? He thought it not robbery. He just took off his glory and he came down to earth and he humbled himself to be a man. He wanted to relate to us. Scripture tells us that, that you know, Jesus wanted to be identified. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and just read through it sometime tomorrow or sometime later this week. He wanted to be identified with us. He wanted to know what it feels like for us in every possible way. He never wanted us to feel like he didn't absolutely understand everything we were going through. That's why Jesus came. And then when Jesus was getting ready to be ascended and when he was teaching the disciples and they were so scared because he was leaving, he said, don't worry, don't worry. John chapter 14, John chapter 15 a little bit, and then into 16, he talks about who the Holy Spirit is and why he's coming. I encourage you at some point to go through and reread those chapters. I know you've read them before. But look at what Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to do for our relationship with him. But he said, I'm sending someone in my place. I'm going to send someone. And actually, I want you guys to know it's better for you that he's coming. And, and think about it. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he could only be in one place at one time because he was human. Right? He could speak and, and praise God. He spoke to incredible crowds on the side of the mountain, and he did all these amazing things, but he can only be at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be with us right here in Tubac at the, at the golf resort and right here in the midst of our retreat and way on the other side of the world where it's morning time, not night. He's also with the believers there, and he's right smack in the center of what they're doing. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus said it's better that he can be with us. The Holy Spirit's not bound by a body, so he's free to, to be with us in the midst of that stressful meeting that you didn't know was going to happen with your boss, and you're worried, and your mind is racing, and you just are thinking about all the things you hoped you'd have the chance to say, and you're worried you're going to forget, and you want to have your face look like this, and your, you know, priorities come across, like all these different things. The Holy Spirit can be right there with you when you ask, Lord, help me, strengthen me, help me to be a good example of Jesus. He's like, great, that's what I came to do. He's everywhere all the time. And he had full authority just as Jesus had that authority. You know, Jesus was limited while he was in his body by humanity. He was limited. He couldn't do all the things that he did in heaven. But the Holy Spirit's not limited at all. 
And when the Bible admonishes us to walk in the Spirit so that we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, some of you have been believers for a long time. Do you really know what that means? Do you feel like you walk in the Spirit? Because a lot of believers I talk to are like, well, I don't know that I really think about it. I mean, I know it's something I'm supposed to do, and I think it kind of means this, but they've never really embraced. If you look through Romans 8 later, not something we need to do tonight, but look through what it says walking in the Spirit will do for us. We're no longer under the law. We're free. It's a way for us to please God continually, it says in Romans 8. And I know if I ask, how many of you want to please God 24-7? All of you would raise your hands. We do. All we need to do is to walk in communion with the Holy Spirit, letting him live the life that we want to live before God through us, empowering us, enabling us, teaching us, guiding us, walking with us, all the things we need him to do. That's what he wants to do in our lives. And I really believe because we need him so much, the enemy works overtime to hinder us from embracing him and knowing him better. Would you guys agree with that? In light of what the the enemy is doing in society and all the craziness going on around us. And, and I just want us to talk for this session about what that means. And, and I know this is preaching to the choir again, but it's important because a lot of believers really never understood this. So give, just indulge me for a few minutes while we go through this. The Holy Spirit relates to us in three distinct ways, okay? He is with us. The Bible says he's like a schoolmaster. He comes alongside of us in our life, and he's constantly showing us what we need from God. He's showing us what God's righteous standard is. He's showing us what the truth is. He's like the voice of our conscience, lots of people say, you know, he's the one who says, oh, you know, that's not what God wants you to do. He's right there next to us. And he's always with us. He's with every person in the world, believer, non-believer, no matter who you are. And the Bible says he's like a schoolmaster because he's trying to lead us to Christ. He's always guiding our lives towards the truth and towards Jesus. And there came a point where we saw what the Holy Spirit was trying to teach us. We saw who God was and we accepted God's work on the cross. We, we entered into this relationship with Jesus and at that time, he no longer was just with us. He came to live in us. The Bible says he took residence in us and he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. The, the um, scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verse 13 and 14, says that 
that he became the deposit on us, like the engagement ring, some pastors say. He came to live inside of us to make sure that no one can take our salvation away from us, to keep us safe until we get to heaven, to strengthen us, to um, just in every way remind us that this is something genuine and real that's happened. And, and that happens only in the life of born-again believers. No one else has the Spirit living inside of them. You have to invite Him from just being with you to being in you, okay? And, and that's a relationship. We'll talk a little bit more about it and a little bit more in depth about what He does, but there's one other way that's available to you and to me and, and this is the thing that people get so scared of and weirded out by because of all the crazy teaching out there. And I'm not saying that I'm the end-all authority on the Holy Spirit. That's not what I want to submit to you in any way, shape, or form. I'm just trying to make it plain and simple and understandable and put it in context scripturally to eliminate all that fear, okay? So the third way that he works in our life is he comes upon us to empower us specifically to serve God. Now, all of us want to serve God in some way, shape, or form, right? Like there's something we want to do. Maybe we have kids and we want to tell them about Jesus or there's some way we serve at the church. We want to be involved in kingdom work. And I hope that after this weekend, you have even a deeper desire for that kingdom work. But he comes upon us specifically to serve. And this coming upon us, the way that I describe it in Africa, they, they love to take tea in Africa. It's like the one thing in their lives they have that sweet. And so tea is always very hot and filled with sugar. But when hospitality is extremely important in African culture because everything is about relationships, it's not like us at all where it's about tasks. It's about sitting down and getting to know people. And so when you come to someone's home and they serve you tea, they always serve you on a tray. It's a beautiful tray, and it'll have a flask with the tea in it, and then it'll have a couple cups on the tray. And the Holy Spirit is like this flask that never runs dry, okay? And you and I are like those empty cups. And so before Christ, we're just on that tray next to that flask and moving along the Holy Spirit is doing his thing and showing us our need for Jesus when we accept Jesus he comes out of the flask and into our cup and the cup is filled he's inside and it's perpetually full it never stops um, it's never empty it's never dry he's always there but coming upon us is if you were to take that flask and start filling that cup until it just bubbled over the top and spilled out onto the entire tray. And the tray is like the world. Okay? 
It's overflowing you and me so that it can touch somebody else. And that's what it means to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. He enables you. So, so if it's really God who's here in the midst of our retreat and teaching you, what you're experiencing is that spirit being poured through my empty body and coming out through my mouth. It's not me. That's why very literally when I say to people, it's not me, it's Jesus, I mean it. Because it's the spirit of God working through me because he wants to touch you. And that's why sometimes as we prayed earlier would happen, you know, you're sitting in church and the message just feels like it's for you. You feel like Pastor Brett knows your situation, exactly what you are going through. Every single word applies to you. Sometimes you're squirming. You're like sinking down in your chair because it's just so personal, you know? That's because it's the Holy Spirit working in you. If you've ever noticed when that happens, sometimes you can be talking to someone else and they feel exactly the same way. And if you guys talk about what ministered to you, it sounds like you weren't even in the same message. Have you ever had that happen? Because while Brett's teaching, the Holy Spirit is working through him and empowering him so that supernaturally nobody can see what's happening. But God is dealing with each one of you individually. And that's what it means to have the Spirit come upon you and equip you for service. And yes, there are gifts of the Spirit. And some of those gifts of the Spirit are tongues, which people get all weirded out about. I don't even want to talk about tongues tonight because honestly, they're not the greatest gift. (laughs) Paul said, desire, covet earnestly the best gifts, the best gifts. And then at the very end of that chapter, he said, But I want to tell you about something even better than these best gifts. And he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about God's love. The most incredible, wonderful, um, powerful, life-changing thing, the earmark, if you will, of someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit and has the Holy Spirit upon them is agape love, God's perfect love, 1 Corinthians 13 love. If you want to know how close you are to the Holy Spirit of God, ask yourself how much love, how much of God's love, not your love, not human love, not touchy-feely, but really, truly agape, faith-based, the kind of love that can't be made up from you in any way, shape, or form, the kind that comes directly from God. How much of that is in you? And if we have more of that love in us and flowing out and touching other people than we had yesterday or earlier today, 
we got it. We're going in the right direction. We have a healthy, growing relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. And, and you can check out those scriptures I referenced and told you about. I'm not oversimplifying it. I'm not telling you something that's not true. That is 100% gospel truth. And that's why the enemy's working so hard to make it all about these gifts and these special manifestations and meetings. And that's why people get so scared when they go into an afterglow. Because they don't understand what's happening. And we could spend all this time talking about the gifts, but that's not the place. But I do want to talk about a couple specific gifts because tonight we're going to have an afterglow. And you need to know what these gifts are. Prophecy is when someone moved by the Holy Spirit speaks forth something that hasn't happened yet. And they speak it forth by God's design, and it's always, if it's, if it's truly the gift of prophecy, for the edification of the church. It's so that people who are non-believers in our midst will hear that prophecy being given and be amazed. Like, how? I mean, this is incredible. Sometimes that prophecy can be about a situation that's ahead and coming and that, that's being faced by the church. And it amazes people to hear this. It's for the edification of the church. It's for the edification of the people who hear. It's important that we know what God wants to do in our midst, isn't it? That's what a prophecy is. And we get so scared of people speaking because we think, what are they talking about? Word of knowledge is when someone, because they're moved by the Holy Spirit, knows something that it's impossible for them to know any other way. For example, if we are in the afterglow tonight and someone moved by the Holy Spirit of God, stands up and says, there is a sister here, and her marriage is in incredible turmoil. In fact, her husband told her right before she came to the retreat that he's going to leave. And it's not just, oh, there's somebody here, and they have a bad kidney, and, and God's telling me he wants to heal them. It's not vague. It's specific. And it's knowledge that they couldn't possibly have because they've never sat down and talked to that person before. They didn't hear it from the person or from gossip. They heard it from the Holy Spirit. And God is bringing it out because he wants that person to hear the message and hear what God has to say. Usually when someone has that word of knowledge, they give some sort of encouragement or exhortation or some message directly from God. And there's incredible examples that people can share with you of, of how word of knowledge has, has moved in their life. It doesn't have to even be in a, um, 
afterglow setting. There have been times when I was counseling people and they're talking to me and telling me one specific thing and God by the Holy Spirit explains to me the root cause, something that happened to them when they were little bitty children that they've never told me and there's no way I could possibly know. And he tells me exactly what's going on. Why? Because God loves them. And he wants to answer the thing that's hurting them. And in an afterglow, God's bringing it out not to shame someone or embarrass them. It's because he wants to encourage them and bring healing and solve, you know, some sort of help and solution to this problem that they're going through. And sometimes people say things like, well, if this doesn't happen, Lord, I'm not going to believe you're real. <laughs> and that has happened before, and God's given someone word and knowledge to meet that unsaved person. That's just what word and knowledge is. Now, word of wisdom is a little bit different, and you see that a lot of times at Afterglows, too. Word of wisdom is when someone has this supernatural solution to a problem that's brought before you. Like, remember the story of Solomon when the two women and, and one baby died and Solomon said, cut the baby in half? He didn't really mean to cut the baby in half. We all know that, right? He was trying to trace out who was the real mother. And so God gave him word of wisdom. He gave him a way to see what was happening. Okay, and I, I say that because some, sometimes I think people, when they think of an afterglow and a time of waiting on the Lord, and they're new in their relationship with the Holy Spirit, they're here, they're worshiping, they're just in the presence of God, and in their heart, they feel like they're supposed to say something deeply personal or some sort of really wise saying that's super specific and you think what was that what did i eat you know <laughs> and, and you you just keep quiet because you've never had that happen before and you don't realize that the holy spirit is giving you an opportunity to share and it's scary at first but I encourage you, if the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart that way, just trust him. Just step out. An afterglow is a place where everybody loves the Lord. You are among sisters. And if you stumble over your words or get nervous or cry or make a mistake, none of us are going to laugh. Okay? None of us are going to think, oh, that's so stupid. None of us. And if the word of knowledge God gives you is something that the person who hears it and it's for them, they don't want to fess up and receive it, we're not going to say, oh, that was so dumb. Why did you say that? That wasn't a word of knowledge. We're going to just encourage you that you stepped out, okay? The only way, ladies, that we encounter Jesus in his spirit 
He is a spiritual God. You know that. But he wants to commune with our spirit. And here's why. Because our spirit is free from the curse that troubles us all the time. Our spirit was born again, brand new, without one shred of sin. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're new, that all things have become new. The old is cast away because our spirit that was dead is now alive. And that, sisters, that spirit that God gave life to and breathed life into, that's not going to die. When you go to heaven, that's going with you. It's not going to be changed in the sense of like it has to be cleaned up or fixed like our body does. It's already exactly what it needs to be. And that's why I'm saying we can grow in the spirit. That part of us and that part of our relationship with God can grow and foster and bear more fruit and become broader and more effective if we'll let it and if we'll give God the freedom to do what he wants to do. Amen? So, so I want to encourage you, if you've never had a time in your life where you've actually said to the Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes people are at a retreat and they have special meetings and you go, and that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but you go and you pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they say, okay, now you're going to get your prayer language and speak in tongues. And so maybe you've always shied away from that baptism of the Holy Spirit because that didn't quite make sense to you. Can I just tell you, I was that person. For months, I searched the scripture. I went to my pastor. I was so confused. They give you this little book at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it has all these great scriptures. I went through every single verse in there on my knees because I was so confused and I was so scared and 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 I I just didn't understand what the difference was and all that they were saying and it seemed so weird and and the people I was around said stuff that just didn't jive with my spirit I was kind of creeped out you know and maybe that's happened to you and you've never done it before. I just want to tell you that all you need to do to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is just say, God, I want to know what it feels like to have your spirit empower me. Empower me to serve you. Empower me to do whatever ministry you're doing or whatever dream you have to do ministry. I want to receive that. What I actually wound up saying to God is, God, whatever you have for me, I want all of it. I don't want to ever say no to you. And I know that you'll help me understand what I don't understand. 
And if that's where you are, you can just do that right there in the quiet of your seat. You don't have to raise your hand. I think it's great when you can go on record, but you don't have to. You can just know him in the spirit and you just receive it by faith, the same exact way that you receive salvation. And you can start to see, Pastor Chuck used to say, whenever we experience God in the person of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit comes upon us to empower us, he said, it's like you have a whole new dimension to your relationship with God, and it's richer, and it's fuller, and all of a sudden it's like things that are not possible for you to do in your own strength God by his spirit enables you to do it's not scary it's not strange it's not mystical it's that simple and it's by faith and there's more there's more gifts of the spirit but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight what I want to encourage us in in this little time as we talk about encountering Jesus and receiving all that he purchased for us at Calvary is just exhorting us as women of God what are we doing with this unspeakable gift what are we doing with it what are we doing with it I want to tell you from my own experience some stories and ways that God has met me when I wanted to serve him or was called upon to serve him and I just had no ability on my own. I want to just tell you a couple little stories of how he met me by his Holy Spirit to encourage you because they're not amazing stories. Unfortunately, I can't say that I have these, you know, stories of the supernatural that are miraculous. But I have to confess, I'm praying that I will. Because I really want to be able to say that I saw in my life greater miracles happen through my experience and relationship with God not because I want to be prideful, but because Jesus said, that's my destiny. That's my destiny. That's your destiny. He said, whoever believes, he'll do greater things than I have done. Greater things. Do you know anybody who's done greater things than Jesus? I don't either. I've met a few people that have done some pretty amazing things, but I want to encourage you to make that your aim. If that's what God has for you, you don't want to miss it, right? You don't want to miss it. Think about the miraculous. That's something I think in our heart of hearts we all long for in some way. It doesn't have to necessarily be at our hands, but we read about Jesus multiplying the, the food, and, and we think, man, I wish God could do that in this situation. I've certainly thought that, especially over the last couple, um, well, actually the last year, 
in in South Sudan where I live, the economy is just terrible. It's just in the tank. It is, we've gone from three Sudanese pounds used to equate one dollar, okay? Right now it's 107 pounds for one dollar. So food is almost impossible for the average person to afford. Several of the women in our ministry, the crafts that some of you bought, like what we've used, the money, that we, the proceeds that we have for is to help them buy food for their families because the situation is so desperate. And I wish that I could multiply food every time, you know, I break bread. But that's not a gift that I've had so far. But I can say that time after time after time, when I've been with my ladies, they're very superstitious people. It's part of their culture. And to them, every dream that they have frightens them because there's so much witchcraft and there's so much magic and... And there are so many superstitions and omens and different things mean, you know, death is coming to your home, all kinds of crazy stuff. So if dreams come, it's a big deal. And after our Bible studies, we always have a time where people can ask for personal prayer requests. And inevitably, from day one, people would, you know, raise up and say, I had this dream. And they would just, you know, go on to tell this in dream. And it was, they're always very vivid. Now, I have to tell you, I don't even dream very much. I think I've had maybe three or four dreams that I've remembered in my life. And, and I, my friend Emily that, that normally comes with me, she dreams all the time in like living color. And so we always laugh because she tells me all about her dreams and how she's a superhero and all this stuff. I never dream. So I have no frame of reference to know like what it's like to have a dream or how vivid they are or anything like that. And so these ladies are having these dreams. And it's the most amazing thing. They'll start telling the dream, and from the moment they begin telling their dream, I know exactly what it means. I know why God gave that image. I know why he gave them that dream. I know exactly what he's trying to show them. And I have been able, I, 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 honestly, I can't even tell you countless dreams that I've interpreted for these women. And I've never thought of myself as someone who could interpret dreams like Daniel or anything like that. But because there was a need and because I've learned to meet God in the spirit and ask of him and and I constantly pray when those prayer prayer requests come out. And so the first time I started realizing as they were telling the dream that I understood what the dream meant. And I thought, cool, God, this is an interpretation. I've never had one of those before. This is so neat. Thank you, Lord. And I was paying attention to what she said. And then I was able to tell her 
and pray with her and encourage her and send her away with the message God wanted her to have instead of being scared. That was Jesus working in the spirit through my little life in Africa in a mud hut in the most unusual circumstance. It wasn't weird, didn't feel, I didn't get tingly or anything amazing like that. It was just what needed to be, and God gave it to me. And, and it's not going to be like that every time the Spirit moves in your life, but I hope that encourages you that it can be very normal. You know, maybe for you it'll be with one of your kids. Or, I don't know, so your husband. Some situation that you just know. You'll just know. Don't worry. You don't have to wonder, is this from God? Is it not from God? You don't have to sweat about it or fret about it. If it is, you'll know. You'll know. You don't have to worry at all. Another thing I've seen God by his spirit do for me is sometimes while I'm teaching, I... I know it doesn't seem like it now, but especially when I first started teaching, I love how things tie together in the Bible, like the New Testament, the Old Testament. I love to jump around the scripture and just piece everything together and create this long tapestry of how everything comes together. And so when I first went to Africa, because I liked that kind of teaching, that's the way I was preparing the messages while I was teaching. And I realized after about two times <laughs> that most of the women that I was teaching are illiterate. Not only are they not interested <laughs> in how the Bible relates in all these different places, but they can't read their Bibles to begin with. And as I got to know the culture a little bit better, I realized not only that, but most of them, if they have a printed Bible, all they have is a New Testament. They couldn't flip to an Old Testament even if they wanted to. And so I realized right away, like, Lord, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I, I need to do something else, and I'm not really sure what you want me to do. And I really believe right away that God showed me the value of parables. He used them all the time. And, and the, the biblical definition of a parable is when you take something that is natural, like sowing seed, and you put a supernatural truth right next to it. And the reason is, obviously, so that while you're doing that natural thing, it triggers your memory. And you start thinking about the spiritual thing in a new way. Helps you understand all kinds of things. So I thought, wow, Lord, thank you that you taught like that. And I started focusing on the parables and, you know, going through all the parables. Well, the most amazing thing happened. God, by his spirit, started giving me all kinds of parables. And over the years, 
I mean, we would call them today word pictures, but he's given me all kinds of things about just everyday life to use and share with these ladies, my own little parables for them. Well, not mine, really, they're God's. And I get to share them with these women. And it's the most encouraging thing in the world to see them remember God's word because of some little example that you shared with them. It wasn't me. It was God who gave it to me. I can't take any credit for it. But it was so natural. And it's impacted in every possible way positively. The discipleship program with the ladies in Africa. Those are just two simple things. But you see how natural it was and how easy it was to know God in his spirit? And, and I want to encourage you that, and I'm sorry, I don't know what time it is, but can you tell me what time it is? <laughs> 7.40? Okay. Um, it's so able, possible for each of you to experience a thousand times more than those little examples of God in his spirit. But if you really believe that you're a daughter of the king and that you're royal and that God has a plan for you, Actually, the scripture says in the book of Ephesians that he planned out before the foundations of the world good works for you to walk in. Isn't that awesome? I want to read you something that is from um, Arthur Way's translation of Paul's letters, and I stumbled upon this old, old, old um, translation because I love Amy Carmichael. If anyone likes to read missionary biographies, anything about Amy Carmichael is fantastic. But if you enjoy her biography, you will enjoy even more her writings. But she often quotes this translation, and I was so moved by this one particular verse, and I, I hope it'll encourage you too, because it is a beautiful picture of how the Holy Spirit works in our life. So let me read it for you. It's just one verse. It's from Philippians 2, and in your Bible, it's Philippians 2.13, and it says, You have not to do it in your own unaided strength. It is God who is all the while supplying the impulse, giving you the power to resolve, the strength to perform, the very execution of his good pleasure. God is working in you, giving you not only the desire to do it, but he's giving you the strength every step of the way. How? By his spirit. And he does that for anybody that the Holy Spirit lives inside of. 
It's not just the power of the Spirit upon you that makes that happen. That's all of us. God already is doing that in your life. He already is equipping you. But I want to suggest to you that for most of us, he wants to do so much more. And we might be scared, unaware, or just downright not thinking about it in any way, shape, or form of how he wants to work in our life. And I really believe that for each of us, we need to be not just once in our life, but continually saying, God, what can we do for the kingdom today, me and you? What's available to us right now? Because have you ever noticed that when you need something, God works it out so that someone's there to meet that need somewhere along the journey. When you pray and ask, someone's available. You could be that person that's available if you'd pray that prayer. God will just use you in the normal course of your day for other people, for his kingdom for good eternal purposes. He might use you to take a phone call. He might use you to witness to somebody on an airplane or in a grocery line, or I have no idea where he's going to place you. But we are, each one of us, undercover agents, ambassadors of Jesus Christ behind enemy lines. Wherever you are, if you have a job, if you're retired and, and live in a beautiful neighborhood and go for a walk every day and 25 of your other retired neighbors are out there walking, God put you there as his ambassador. And he wants to use you. You might think this is the time that I exercise every day. Let me tell you, God is so incredible. He does a thousand things at once. He's the master of synergy. And he wants to just interrupt your life and add this whole other dimension, if you're willing. And you will find the most fulfilling, exciting adventure you've ever experienced. Have you ever led someone to the Lord? You remember how excited you were? You remember that feeling? I remember the first time I led someone to Christ, I thought, this is so awesome. I wish I could just do this every day. I just felt so excited. That's how we feel when we join. God's already at work. He's already at work in this room. He's already at work. He is the one who put the rooms together. You may think that you picked your roommate, but God designed that. I'm serious. I'm 100% serious right now. And 
God might have an incredible counseling or teaching opportunity for you right there in that room. You guys have been chatting about a thousand different things. Just ask the Lord tonight while we're worshiping, Lord, I'm available. If there's any way that you can use me, please just use me. I'm, I'm available. That's all you need to do. And he will open wide the door and say, you want to come? And it'll just be a sudden invitation. That's why the Bible tells us, how many times have we all read, be ready in season and out of season. And we, we laugh about that and we like think you have to gear up. It doesn't really mean gear up. It just means be prayed up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be so dependent on God that at a moment's notice, you're ready. And I, I want to tell you something that I've learned. I am so confident that any question anybody has, God has the answer for it in his word. Any question. I don't care what it is. Now, that's pretty bold to say that. Because you know how many diabolical people there are out there that will say, oh, this is going to be fun. You know? And they're just trying to think of a way to trip me up. That's okay. Because you know what? God's smarter than they are. I am not worried about it. God said in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And him is yes and amen. And there's nobody that's going to prove him a liar. And so just opening that door makes me available to the skeptic. And I'm terrible at debates. Terrible. I, I crush under pressure. And I'm not very smart. And I used to have this amazing memory, let me tell you, ladies. After I went through menopause, I cannot remember my own name most days. And that's not, my daughter will tell you, is that not true? I forget stuff all the time. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I think my brain left. And, and I was not one of those people that got to go through slowly. I had surgery. <laughs> so it was like there one day and gone the next. So it happens. It has nothing to do with your Bible knowledge, your smartness. It has everything to do with your heart. And, and I've had this privilege of serving God as a missionary, and I have just seen him over thousands of times. He's been the answer I needed. And people are so okay when you're looking for an answer for them, and it takes you more than five minutes, takes you a couple days. They're okay with that. Occasionally that happens. Usually, God gives you the answer right then and there. But we have to get to that place, ladies. Being an ambassador and being all in with God and being one of those end times believers that makes a difference, it actually requires it, I think. If you have a chance within the next few days, 
just read through Matthew 24. It's where Jesus talked about what things would be like in the end times, and it's where he told us that in the last days the love of many would wax cold. And he's very specific in the words he uses there. He says the love of many, and he uses the word agape. So he's not talking about the kind of love that we naturally have, like Paul's talking about when he talks about, you know, people will be haters and they won't like anybody. They'll complain all the time. He's not talking about that natural affection love. He's meaning that the believers who love God, love the body, love being in church, all of that love is going to grow cold. And that love comes only from God. It doesn't come from you or me. He gives it to us. It's a gift that he bestows on us. And the closer we are to him, the more we walk in fellowship with him, the more he's able to pour that love literally through us. When we say, God, I don't have any love for this person. Give me your love. Basically what we're saying is, crucify me. Crucify me so you can just love right through me. And in the end times, that's going to wax cold. And what scares me when I read Matthew 24 is how quickly you, you see the multiplication of people falling away. And, and I, I've been a believer since 1989, okay? I have seen so many people that I thought were rock-solid believers fall away in the last two or three years. I feel like we're already seeing the first pangs. You know how Jesus said it'd be like birth pangs that increase in frequency and intensity as the time draws near? I feel like we're already seeing the first pangs. And I am absolutely convinced that the only safeguard against me being one and you guys hearing in a few years that I fell away Oh, remember that retreat speaker we had? Yeah, she ran away with somebody and she's not walking with the Lord anymore. I don't ever want that to be my testimony. And the only way to guarantee, because I want to say something else here. That doesn't mean that those people aren't still saved. It just means that they don't love God right now. They love their sin, and they're running hard, as hard as they can after their sin instead of running after God, and that could happen to any of us, and the way for us to safeguard our hearts against that happening is to draw close to the Holy Spirit, is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of who Jesus is, and to be be involved. Because here's the thing. When we're walking in the Spirit and we're, like, 
when I do something like this and I have the whole weekend to just pour my heart out and share what God has shown me about the Bible and, and, and I get the chance to talk with all of you in between, I'm energized. It's tiring in the sense of like it's long nights and early mornings and, you know, you go without sleep and stuff. But my heart is like on fire. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to be with you and I'm so excited by what God's doing. And and I get so excited when someone shares with me their vision and how God is leading them to start something. Or they say, oh, remember when you said this? Well, God showed me that. I love that kind of stuff. I love it. And anyone who's moving in the spirit would say the same thing. Our bodies might be exhausted. That's what Paul meant. Outwardly, we're perishing. (laughs) And it's so true. Now that I'm getting older, my body is falling apart. (laughs) But inwardly, I want to be like Paul. I don't want to stop getting excited about Jesus and, and getting involved in what God's doing all around me. And I don't want you to either. It's the only way for us not to be a statistic. Encounter Jesus in the Spirit. You can do it tonight. I'm so excited for this time of Afterglow because I hope that just a few of you, even if just one person by faith said, I'm going to do it. And really entered in in a new way with Jesus during that time of worship, it would be worth it. And you can think I'm crazy. I don't care. I stopped caring a long time ago if people think I'm crazy. (laughs) I want you to like me. But more than that, I want you to just be in love with Jesus. I'm sure you know that already, right? Be in love with Jesus. And don't just believe me. I've told you about the baby steps that you can take in the Spirit. There's so much more. You know, you always hear that analogy that's in Ezekiel 47 about how there's water to the ankles and then water up to the loins and then water to swim in. Where are you? in the spirit. You don't have to answer that to anybody else, but just talk to the Lord about it today. If you're not in water to swim in, there is so much more, so much more for you. Go and swim. Go out in the deep. Like that song, Ocean said, take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. Go all the way, because you will not be disappointed. On the contrary, you'll be amazed. You'll be speechless with love, because God is so incredible. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit.
thank you that it's more than we'll ever need and I just want to receive all that you have. I want to be used by you, Lord, and I, I pray that my sisters do as well. I pray just for an anointing, Lord, as, as Jenny was saying, like it says in the Old Testament, that time that the Spirit was just so thick, the presence of God was just so thick among the people that the priests couldn't even serve. That the glory of God would be tangible and real, touchable, palpable among us, God. And that each woman in here would experience you in a deeper way than she's ever experienced you before. And I pray, Lord, that you would show her how beautiful you are, how good you are, how patient you are, how much you have to offer them. And Lord, that they would just be safe enough to surrender their whole hearts to you. And I pray that you would empower them and use them to do greater works even than you did, Jesus. I thank you for the examples that you left us and for the challenges that you've given us. But Lord, I'm just so excited to see how you use each one of them, God. And I pray that you'd start tonight. I ask specifically, Lord, that your spirit would touch each woman in here in a deeper way than she's ever been touched before. Father, that you would equip her, that you would overflow her and overwhelm her and use her. And I pray that it would be such a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit that each woman in here tonight as they're talking with their roommates would be able to express how you touch them and that it would be so evident that that roommate would be able to say, I, I, I know, I know what you're saying is true. I see it in you. And God, I pray it would just exponentially increase their faith, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord, that there's nothing I can ask you that's more than you can do. And I thank you that Ephesians says that it's impossible for me to out-ask you and out-give you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just have your way in our hearts and you would work supernaturally in this room, that we would encounter you by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.